What happened at the Sans Profitable Business Leaders Summit? What are the dynamic ad insertion and video ad trends among our sponsors? How is Tom's dog Walnut doing? That's what we're talking about today on a special Sounds Profitable Ad Tech Applied with Ariel Nissenblatt and Tom Webster. This episode was streamed live via Twitter Spaces, so if things sound a little bit different, that's why. Welcome to Sounds Profitable Ad Tech Applied. My name is Ariel Nissenblatt, and I am the community manager at Squadcast. I also help Sounds Profitable with uh, social media and with this podcast. And I'm excited to be interviewing Tom Webster here, who is a partner at Sounds Profitable. And we are going to be talking live today on Twitter Spaces. So if my audio quality does not sound as amazing as it usually does, blame Twitter Spaces. But also thank you to Twitter Spaces for enabling us to have this conversation live in front of an audience. So Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, I, I hope my audio is okay as well. I think I tried like a 100 different ways to get a microphone into my phone today. And I don't think any of them worked. No, yeah, I am recording on with a bad method, which um, the Squadcast guys would be mad at me for, which is that I'm using AirPods. So I uh, really hope this comes out okay and that there's no latency or anything that comes out with that. But we are here and we're going to talk about Podcast Movement. We're going to talk about the Business Leaders Summit at Podcast Movement. And we're going to talk about the After These Messages research report. And we're also going to talk about your dog. We're not really going to talk about your dog, but I just love how much you love Walnut. So that might come up. I was here to talk about my dog. So my, <laughs> my dog had to get the, the cone of shame this no. week, and that lasted about five minutes. So my for those who don't know, I have a, I have a retired racing greyhound. He's large. He's a long boy. And uh, <laughs> the only cone of shame that would work on him was like the XL cone of shame. And no. so he, he basically... Uh, wanders around the house like a drunk satellite dish. So we had to take that off. <laughs> oh, and so is he doing okay post-surgery? Yeah, it was actually just a, a, a hot spot that we wanted oh, him good. to stop licking. So that was it. <laughs> okay, so cone of shame for hot spot. Got it. Yeah, that'll teach Okay, him. cool. I feel like that's not, it's never going to be enough walnut talk, but I'm glad we started it off like that. So <laughs> I'm glad that um, that Walnut has entered the conversation. Let's let's pivot to podcast movement. So, Tom, podcast movement took place last week in Dallas. I had a lot of fun, maybe too much fun. I'm still tired, still going off of sleep deficit, but it was extremely fruitful and extremely successful. I had so many conversations. I'd love to hear from your perspective. How was your first podcast movement as a member of the Sounds Profitable team? It was amazing, you know, and I've been to podcast movement a whole bunch of times, you know, so, so success number one, I did not get COVID. Like anytime I go anywhere, I'm counting that as success number one. Uh, but this was also our first Sounds Profitable Business Summit. Uh, and it was kind of cool being there, you know, uh, really as someone focused on podcasting full time, which I've never been able to do in my whole career until now. So now I really feel like, you know, I was, I was with my people's. You really were. And um, the peoples loved you and it was lovely. So let's talk about what started it off, which was on Tuesday, the Sounds Profitable Business Leaders Summit. Tell us about how that came to be. And then I'll ask you questions about the actual day. Yeah, I mean, Brian uh, Barletta, my partner and I really, you know, there have been a number of uh, meetings in the past that were very focused on uh, really on the, on the leaders in the industry. Right. And I've, I participate in everything with independence all the way up, 
Um, but getting kind of the, the leaders in the space together in one room, it hasn't happened in a while and it, and it doesn't happen very often. You know, the, the atmosphere in podcasting, I think, is necessarily gone from collegial to competitive uh, at, at that level. But we really wanted to try and get everybody together and and try to talk about some of the issues that are impacting the the business side of podcasting. You know, there's all kinds of little frustrations I have with the the business side of things. You know, different companies talk about their metrics in different ways. They talk about what the most important metrics are to them in different ways. And then, you know, when advertisers talk to those various companies and they're kind of hearing different stories, they they can get a little frustrated with the space. And I think that all. Uh, gets fixed by actually getting people together in a room. So uh, Brian and I put this together. Brian really did uh, the, the lion's share of the work on this. And we invited people who were already sponsors of Sounds Profitable, which we, we have over 100 and really the top companies in the space. And we invited them to bring, uh, you know, two or three people from their company uh, and and get together and, and do some really interesting Panels. You know, we we did a, a panel on uh, video, and we were fortunate enough to have Stephanie Chan from YouTube there. We did a panel on uh, the various types of metrics and measurement in podcasting. Right now, uh, we did a panel on programmatic advertising, and then uh, and then we presented what what is our second research study, which I'm I'm sure we'll talk about in a second. But it was kind of cool. You know, we we didn't have any press in there. It was it was really before the main event for podcast movement started, so it was just a way to have a a frank exchange of views, as one might say. One might say that, yeah, and one might be right. It was really, it was a really great event. I was there. I uh, got there very early. Got to enjoy the Disney sponsored breakfast. Shout out to our sponsors. We had some lovely sponsors throughout the day, and I really liked the joke that you made, uh, which was that it was what was it Dallas um, Chef contest. What, what, yeah. What am I trying to say? We had well, we had we had four different. Uh, kind of food, food slash food coffee breaks. Yeah. Two from, <laughs> two from Disney advertising, two from Wondery. And they were all kind of different. So I was, I was pitting them against each other uh, <laughs> to fight for our love in top chef Dallas. And uh, I don't know, I have to call it a tie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Who can do it better next time? We'll just have to find out with some new sponsors or with these sponsors coming back for more. Or yeah. I'll cook. <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> um, yeah. So really I thought it was an extremely successful event. Um, the first three panels were great. And what was great about it was that Brian at the beginning made an announcement where he said, you know, not that there's anything secretive going on in here, but so that there's no pressure for the folks who are up on stage, we're not really going to have people taking notes. I mean, we're not really going to have people tweeting. We're not really going to have people blogging about this, just frank conversation about the industry. And what do you think that did for the, for the vibe in the room? I think it, it, it relaxed people. Uh, and I think from the very first panel on, you know, the video panel, uh, you know, on, uh, when you're when you're sort of with a, especially a publicly traded company, you know that the spokespeople for that publicly traded company can't really go out and tell shareholders we don't know what we're doing. Um, but you know, in a lot of cases, everybody is still figuring things out, and I think it was it just kind of created a space where people could say, "Look, we are still figuring this out. This is what we're trying. Uh, we think this part works. We don't know about this part." And, you know, it just kind of let everybody talk about the space in, in a, a little bit more of an open way and also kind of talking about the economy. Right. You know, the you know, if you read uh, if you read Twitter, Ariel, and I don't know if you do, but if you do. Yeah, I'm not out here very often. 
Right, exactly. We're, we're often told about, you know, that the economy is soft, you know, potentially a recession and things like that. And it's kind of just good to, to talk to everybody and, and see, is that is that really the case or not the case? And that's the kind of room where you can have those those conversations. in. so uh, it was a tremendous success. And honestly, we had we had about 300 people in there and it was uh, just kind of overwhelming to me, especially as someone who's who's been in the space and I hope, you know, given a lot to the space over the last 18 years to kind of see it all uh, paid back with the just enthusiasm and, and just love of people in the room for what Brian and I had put together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought overall incredible event and we're going to get in a second to the what, what I think of as the main event, mostly just because it was open to everybody, which is the After These Message research report. Uh, but before that, I, I would love if you'd share one takeaway from any of the panels, you know, that might help the folks at home who are listening, whether they're independent creators or part of larger networks. What is something that we can share from within those first three conversations that might help folks? Yeah, I would say that uh, a really good thing you can do uh, when things don't seem settled in the space is to try and organize as best you can, try and unite with other voices uh, and and take strong positions. You know, it, one of the things that certainly made a, a little bit of news last week was that, you know, YouTube had put up a, a podcast page, you know, youtube.com slash podcasts. And, you know, it's clearly a work in progress, right? But it's a but it's a work in progress because it actually still is a work in progress. And I think if if podcasters are sort of vocal and united enough about the kinds of things you would like to see there, that there's a chance to influence the space at every level. So that I think that's you know nothing is nothing's ever really set in stone. You, know, you can have a position, you can have a public position, but ultimately everything in business is extremely fluid uh, and. You know, I think if, if people can uh, speak with one voice as much as possible, uh, I know that's sort of difficult in the podcasting space, but it, it really helps the space with advertisers, with, uh, you know, potential partners like YouTube, with agencies, with buyers. And so that's that's the thing that I would uh, that I would really want to get across to people is find things you can agree on and and, you know, be kind of loud and proud about them. For the folks who are joining us live on Twitter Spaces right now, just a reminder that you can remind us that you are here, that you are active participants by throwing us an emoji. All you have to do is go to the bottom of your screen, hit the heart button, and then choose an emoji, and we will be very happy to know that you're here participating with us. And also, if you have a question or a comment, all you have to do is hit the button on the bottom right of the screen that has a little chat bubble. We'd love to hear your questions and comments because at the end of our conversation, we may read some of those out loud and then respond to you. And that'll be a really cool way for you to be on the Sounds Profitable Ad Tech Applied podcast, which is live right now, but it will also be on our podcast feed later this week. All right, Tom, let's go to After These Messages. How did you and Brian come up with the, with the title? First of all, I know that there's some contention around that that you'll talk about, but also the conceit of the study. Well, Brian came up with the name and... Uh, and I'm still bitter about that, right? Because I, I'm, I'm supposed to have all the good ideas, and this was the good idea that I didn't have. Um, and it's, it's, you know, if you've ever watched ABC Back to School specials, they always had these little, you know, animated claymation. After these messages, we'll be right back. Uh, kind of interstitials, and I may be showing my age here. I'm, uh, you know, I'm nearly thirty. 
but I remember these and uh, they're they're super funny, super fun. And I think that title really uh, brings that whole uh, image back to mind. Right. But it is a study about advertising. And one of the things that uh, really inspired Brian and I to put this study together is that there's just there's a lot of uh, bashing of DAI advertising, programmatic advertising as the devil. Uh, but the listener doesn't know what's DAI and what's programmatic. All that they know is, was it host read or not? So what we wanted to do was take three different creative executions of essentially the same ad. One that was a live ad-libbed version by a host. One that was a scripted version, very clearly a scripted version, but by the host. And then a third version, which was a quality, uh, well-produced announcer read version of the same script that the host had used for the scripted version. And we had uh, great partners on this. Uh, we used um, uh, Jordan Harbinger from, uh, obviously the Jordan Harbinger show uh, helped us. We took a great content segment from one of his shows. It was an interview with Matthew McConaughey, a large sample of people and a large sample of Jordan's own listeners, which we were able to kind of do uh, comparisons with. And a third, a third of the sample got each one of those three treatments of advertising. And so basically what we wanted to see was if you if you did a quality job on all three versions, was there an inherent benefit to the live ad lib read versus the scripted versus the announcer? Uh, and you know the study came back just so clean. You know it was over a thousand podcast listeners, three hundred of which were existing listeners to Jordan's show, which again fell naturally. Which we knew if we picked a big enough show, we would we would do well there, um, and. The, the results were kind of amazing. And, and really, no matter where you fall in terms of podcast advertising and kind of what your beliefs are, there's something in the study to support that. Uh, you know, overall, the live ad lib read did the best in, in terms of things like uh, unaided recall of the brand and uh, fit with the podcast and things like that. Uh, however, when you look at Jordan's own listeners, the people who say that they were existing listeners to Jordan's show, all three did well. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the uh, the announcer read version really fit the ethos of the show. It fit the mood of the show. It didn't wasn't a big you know screaming uh, terrible ad. It was a really good ad. And also uh, Jordan kind of warms it up, right? He he's already conditioned his listeners to hey, this is an advertiser that that helps me out here. So uh, it really fascinating findings kind of all the way around. And I think cases to be made for the use of both host red and announcer red and in different situations. And the, after these messages study is available for folks to check out both the slide deck and the actual presentation that you gave. It was recorded live. Where can folks go to find and rewatch that? That's soundsprofitable.com. Uh, look on the, uh, under the research tab, you'll see that along with our first study, which was the, the creators, which came out in June. And I really recommend checking out the study. Even if you only have time to just look at the slides, you can use those slides for your decks. You can use those slides to prove that host read ads work, but so do other ad format types. So I really enjoyed the study. I live tweeted it. If you want to see my analysis, you can just click on my profile and scroll back, scroll back a little bit. I thought it was a really great presentation. And um, the what, what was really cool is that it actually was available a little bit earlier to Sounds Profitable sponsors. Is that right, Tom? Yeah, so uh, we we make available the I actually do a full presentation of the study for uh, for the companies that sponsored it, 
and, uh, you know, get a chance to answer their questions so that, you know, nobody's, uh, everybody's fully prepared. Uh, you know, and I, I've got a long career in media research. I'm committed to, to truth telling, uh, very committed to telling the, the most accurate story that I can. And hopefully it's a story that, that pushes the, the medium forward. I think this one does. Uh, but, you know, you don't, with sponsors uh, who support this work and make it possible, we wanted them to feel like that they had, you know, kind of an inside track on it. Uh, but that said, editorial uh, control of everything rests with Brian and I, uh, but we're delighted to be able to give sponsors a preview of it. And what's next for Sounds Profitable in terms of research? So in the fourth quarter, we're going to be tackling brand uh, safety and brand suitability, which is a really hot topic right now. And, and uh, we had really a fantastic uh portion of a panel on that at the Sounds Profitable Business Summit. And, you know, it's it's obviously a very hot topic. Uh, we're going to be looking at things like uh, politics. We're going to be looking at uh, other, you know, kinds of content that, that people might find questionable. And advertisers can be uh, wary of spending money in the space because, you know, to their mind, they don't know what kind of content their ads are going to run on. But there is existing technology out there to, to help that. And, you know, one of the things that is sort of a limiting belief that could actually be harmful, not just to podcasting, but to society, is if you go through as an advertiser and say, well, I don't want to advertise on things that talk about politics, or I don't want to advertise on things that talk about COVID or guns. And, and all of a sudden, what you've basically done is defund the news. And that's not good for anyone, because that's what the news talks about, right? So uh, we want to get a sense, that's the advertiser perspective. But what we really don't have uh, so much as the is the consumer perspective, the listener perspective. How much are they really put off by certain types of content? Do they take it out on the podcast or not? Uh, does the content of the podcast impact how they see the advertiser from that perspective? So uh, it's a really hot topic in the space, and uh, we're going to have a very compelling look at that in the fourth quarter. And listeners, you can stay up to date with all of Sounds Profitable's upcoming research and articles by going to soundsprofitable.com. And you can subscribe to the newsletter there so that you're the first to know about everything. Tom, let's talk a bit about the rest of the conference, about the rest of podcast movement, which took place last week in Dallas. I'm sure you were very busy, but were you able to attend any panels? Yeah, I attended a few and I was on a few. Um, and a, a, a couple that were super interesting to me, uh, I, did a, I did a metrics panel. And it's funny because I, I, I'm, I'm a statistician, not a digital marketer per se. And I think, you know, if you're in, if you're a digital marketer, you're very used to numbers that look like, you know, kind of census data. This is exactly how many impressions I got. This is exactly uh, how many ads were served and, and things like that. But the truth is those things are all estimates. And, at, you know, someone with my training, I'm, I'm sort of used to that. Uh, tolerance for ambiguity. But it's funny to be on a panel about metrics and, and have somebody in the audience say, uh, I, I, I'm having two different services count my downloads, and they're coming up with different numbers. Which one do I believe? And, you know, my answer is yes, <laughs> right? Because they're both sort of in the ballpark, and both are estimates. And I think people don't really uh, necessarily understand that or see it that way. Um, and I think it, it can be kind of uh, harmful, I think, to us when some companies talk about downloads. Other companies say, no, 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 it's about impressions. Other companies will say, actually, no, we count listens. And all of that you know, may be true, and it may be to make competitive points and, and things like that. But ultimately, it's confusing for buyers 
And, and so I, I think, you know, getting our story straight is, is going to be helpful uh, for the media, I think, in, in the future. The other panel I really enjoyed, uh, one that I sat on, uh, was one on branded podcasts. And I'm a huge believer in branded podcasts uh, to do something very, very different from what uh, a typical podcast does. I mean, if you want, if you're a company and you want to grow your reach, grow your customer base, a branded podcast is not the way to do it. And I think that's a, a that's a huge misconception, and I think that affects how you know branded podcasts get sold because you're not going to grow a huge audience with a branded podcast, with a, a few exceptions, right? A few outliers. But you know, one of the things that I think you can do with a branded podcast is change how people feel about your company, and that may be really, really important, right? It, it might be really important if you're a company that that kind of needs to tell a different story than it has been telling. I think that's important. Uh, and I think it's also valuable for companies that people are curious about. There are companies that people are curious about. You know, Trader Joe's is a very big example here and a very successful branded podcast. Other companies, you know, Patagonia and things like that, people are curious about. So why not reward that curiosity? So that was another uh, panel I really enjoyed. But, you know, ultimately, uh, the one thing that I, I think is really clear to me about podcasting is that podcasting still needs to tell the metrics story a little better. And, you know, if I hear one more time from an advertiser that, oh, it's the wild, wild west. You no, know, we're done with still, that. Yeah, no, actually, the metrics are awesome. And <laughs> if you've bought radio or TV for the last 40 years and you're complaining about podcasting, shame on you because those metrics are awful. It's the calm, we understand it east. Is there a way, is there an opposite of the wild, wild west? Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's the civilized, it's the civilized East, which as someone <laughs> who lives in the civilized East, I'm entirely behind. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, well, Tom, thank you so much for that recap of podcast movement, uh, and the business leader summit. We're going to get to questions in just a moment. We have one question already from Trisha. We have one question already from Trisha Friedman. Shout out to Trisha. If there are any other questions, now is the time to hit the button on the bottom right of the screen where there's a little chat bubble. You can leave a question, a comment. We would love to hear from you. I'll be reading those questions, comments out loud in a second. While Tom tells, while we wait for your questions to come about, I'll just say that this is, one more time, I'll just say that this is a live taping on Twitter Spaces. This podcast is actually going to be in the Sounds Profitable feed so you can subscribe to that podcast at sounds profitable ad tech you can subscribe to that pod and that's why i'm repeating myself you can subscribe to the sounds profitable ad tech applied podcast by going to soundsprofitable.com you'll find everything you need right there tom what are you listening to lately what podcast are you listening to while we get some more comments in the chat what are you listening I, to i just binged uh, fed up on wondery which i know i'm not the only one um, that I thought that was really well produced, and uh, Casey Wilson, who narrated it, is fantastic. What a natural she is! So that's that was the most recent thing I listened to. I am also listening to that and agree with you completely. Wondery has it on lock; they know exactly what they're doing in terms of hooking their listeners. Yeah, and it, it to me it really shows the power of letting a you know letting a narrator, letting a host kind of be themselves because uh, you know I, I, th this to me felt like. Casey Wilson knew this story cold and she was telling it to me at a party. Um, you know, it's very, very personable, extremely well-produced. So uh, kudos to Wondery for that one. That's a great read of it. All right, let's get to Trisha's 
question. Can you speak to a collaboration you're seeing in the industry that's groundbreaking and bound to create a new trend? A collaboration that you're seeing in the industry that is groundbreaking and is bound to create a new trend. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about actually creating a trend, but, but let's just say giving us another look at it. I was in I was encouraged to see YouTube and NPR partner last week to start getting some of their content on. And, uh, you know, I think it's especially with the kind of content that NPR produces, it it may not immediately translate to YouTube. Right. Um, But to me, that kind of a partnership says that, you know, NPR wants to try it and YouTube is willing to, you know, bend a little bit. Let's see how we can make this work a little bit better. Um, because as I've been saying on at podcast movement for years and at another fora, you know, it's YouTube is a, is an important part of podcast discovery. And if we can figure that out, you know, we can, we talk a lot about the, the quote unquote podcast discovery problem, but discovery on YouTube is solid, right? Like how many times have you gone to watch a video and then immediately watched something else that was recommended to you? Uh, and I think my hope is for the industry that if if that starts to become a more learned behavior, that what gets recommended to you on the in the right column there is in fact another podcast and not just a popular video. So uh, that's the thing I think we all need to be vocal about and and talk about. Uh, but that kind of a collaboration to me, like a- any company can say, we want to get our stuff on YouTube, but YouTube partnering with NPR to try to find a better, more listener slash viewer friendly way to do that. That's encouraging to me. Agreed. Thank you for that question, Trisha. And thank you, Tom, for the answer. We have two more questions that rolled in, so I'm going to read them and hopefully we can get to them very quickly. Here we go from Steve Ellington. How do you feel about funding podcasts via direct listener support versus something uh, or via something like Patreon versus running ads? I'm a big public radio listener, so have always liked that model. Again, that question is... Okay, go ahead. You got it. Yeah, uh, it's a false choice. Uh, I think for podcasting to uh, do more than survive, but to thrive, I think every revenue model available to it has to be pursued. Um, and I think that's that's really kind of a listener choice. And I think for a lot of uh, public media listeners, for instance, they are used to supporting programming directly. So why would you fight that, right? Uh, and in other cases, uh, people are not. And so that that really becomes a learned behavior. So. Uh, to me, offering as much choice, having as many uh, potential ways to make money on your podcast as possible uh, is is uh, is the smart, smart answer here, I think. So uh, how do I feel about them? I like them both. So there really is no verses in your mind. Really no. do it all. Yeah, all it's right. a false choice. Next up and last up from Marcus DePaula. Can you explain in simple terms? the difference between DAI and programmatic ads and which platforms offer options for utilizing each type. Wow. Um, Not, not at the time that that we have. That is a, that is a really deep conversation, but you know, a programmatic is a way to buy and sell ads. Uh, DAI is, is how they're delivered. Um, But uh, yeah, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a more in-depth question than I think we're going to get, get to here. But I do think that we have some articles that have covered that question and all of its complexities on soundsprofitable.com. And if you're not yet subscribed, I definitely recommend subscribing to that newsletter. Tom, anything to add before we close it out? Uh, You're a very good Twitter spacer. (laughs) Thank you, Tom. And thank you, everybody who joined us live and to the folks who are going to be listening to this later, which I hope some of you folks will tune in to the podcast or at least get subscribed to it. It's a or at least get subscribed to it so that you can check out future episodes and our amazing back catalog 
Have a great day, everybody, and happy listening. And that was Sounds Profitable, Ad Tech Applied. Listeners, as you've heard from Ariel before, we want to hear from you. Please reach out if you have any questions or comments. We're on Twitter at Sounds Profitable News, at Webby2001, or at Ari This and That. If you'd like to email us, hit us up at podcast at soundsprofitable.com. Want more from Sounds Profitable? We have two other podcasts, Sounds Profitable, The Narrated Articles, and The Download, a podcast about the business of podcasting, all available on this feed. Thank you to Omni Studios for hosting this podcast and for Spooler for being the tools behind how we build each episode.